Welcome to Answers for Elders. My name is Chuck Olmstead, and I'm here at Patriots Landing in DuPont, Washington. And with me today is Bill North. He's a retired sergeant major with the U.S. Army. Bill, welcome to Answers for Elders. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Yeah, well, we want to hear your story. And uh, you and I were chatting a little bit here, and uh, I know you've got a lot to share. And I always uh, like to to hear about uh, what life was like for folks before they went into the military. And uh, so are you a Northwest boy? Did you grow up in this area, or where did you grow up? I grew up in o- Weatherford, Oklahoma. Okay, so you're an Okie. I'm an Okie. Uh-huh. <coughs> Excuse me. So... Uh, what year were you born? 1932. Okay, right. Uh, I guess those were Depression years, weren't they? That I cannot remember. Yeah, you don't remember that? No. My, my family, my grandparents took care of us. Uh-huh. So uh, I don't remember ever being hungry or anything like that. Yeah. Was it a farm or were you in the city? In the city. Uh-huh. So, uh, you're... Well, I was born on a farm. Let's put it that way. My grandparents. Uh-huh. But then my other grandparents lived in the city, and that's where we moved to when I was five. I see. Yeah, so you grew up, uh, you grew up in Oklahoma then. Yep. Yeah. So, what was life like for you? Were you involved in sports? Were you, uh, um, you in music or? Well, it was sports and girls. There you go. <laughs> that was that was the main thing. What did you like? Uh, what sports did you like playing? I played basketball. I played football. I tried baseball. Couldn't hit that little thing, so didn't do that. Right. And then uh, when I was 16, I joined the National Guard, Battery C of the 158th Field Artillery Battalion. Six, 16 years old? Yeah. Wow. Did your and I did that to... for one reason. Uh-huh. I wanted to get a pair of combat boots and go to their parties. <laughs> so we had and some extra money because uh-huh. we had to go to drill once a week and uh, then camp at Fort Sill for two weeks in the summer. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so what, uh, when you were in the National Guard, what was your, um, what were your duties? In I was Guard? a cannoneer. And then I was the, uh, well, I was one that loaded the 105 and shoved it in the breach. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Which is, the, that was a, a lot of the training at Fort Sill was for cannoneers, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah Fort Sill's artillery center. Yeah, yeah. My, my brother he was in the National Guard in the late 60s and uh, did his uh, training at Fort Sill and, and with the howitzers there. Yeah. Yeah. So is that what you then did uh, when you were in the military? Yeah, when you were... well, what happened is in 1950, I graduated from high school, then the Korean War started, then the 45th Infantry was mobilized, and in one September, we went to Camp Polk, Louisiana. I was still 17 at that time, and uh, went in the Army for training, and uh, I became a forward observer, which means that you're just calling in the fire to the fire direction center, mm-hmm. and uh, stayed at Camp Polk, and then went to Camp Stoneman, California, and we went by ship to Japan. And from Japan, we went to Hokkaido, 
which is the northernmost island. And then we trained actually in Shitosi, which is outside Sapporo. And then our brigade was right at the top, so we got to move to Sapporo, where we had brick buildings instead of tents and uh-huh. outside outhouses and stuff. <clears throat> and then I believe, I'm not sure the exact day, but I think it was in November, we boarded a ship and went to Korea. And we went into Incheon. We went over the side of the ship, full pack and everything, into LSTs. <clears throat> but this isn't the one where they blocked off the... They cut off their supply line of the Chinese when they are about to push, push us out of Pusan. And then, during Korea... I, my battalion supported the, our infantry, and I served with Company K of the 179th Infantry. And then, when we went in reserve, we provided support for the 19th and the 20th Filipino Regimental Combat Team. And then from there, we provided support for the 8th Rock Battalion, or Battalion or Brigade, I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. And there we had some problems, got overrun, they retreated, left on the hill. And I heard, I don't know how true it is, that the commander of that brigade was executed because of what happened. Now, I don't know. That's the big story. Yeah. But uh, So this is in Korea. Yeah. During the war. And in you're, 1951. And, and, you were, and you were kind of MIA for three days. Yeah. They didn't know where well, you after, were. After the, well, I wasn't m- missing. Right. Our infantry came in, got us out, and I've been going to the VA for years, and I don't know why they want to know what happened in those three days hmm. because the next thing I remember was being put on a hospital ship in Pusan and then to Japan, then back to the States. And then I went to Fort Sill, wanted to get assigned because I was artillery, wanted to get assigned to Oklahoma because my home was only 75 miles from there. And where did the Army send me? Fort Ord, California. Uh Fort Ord sent me to Fort Lewis, Washington, to the 57th Field Artillery Group. And I got here on a Saturday. Never forget it. They told me it had been raining for 32 straight days. You don't, you don't get 32 uh, days of rain in Oklahoma. No. <laughs> so I got here on a Saturday. Wednesday, it had rained every day. Wednesday, I volunteered to go back to Korea. And Friday, I left and headed back to Oklahoma on leave to take my car. And took a bus back up here, and the personnel center was located on North Fort. Spent 30 days, and they said, well, we can't send you back to Korea. We have to send you to Japan. And on the 30th day, I got called in, and they said, can you type? And I said, yep. They said, how would you like to be signed to Japan, making the assignments to Japan, Korea, and Okinawa? We need somebody on the AFI assignment team. I took the job. Stayed here till 56. Mm. Learned to play golf in the rain and never get wet. (laughs) 
and uh, went to Japan. Spent three years in Japan. Came back. I'm not going to talk about my my marriages in between. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyway, went to Germany. Spent a year, then went to Vietnam. Hmm. And I was the sergeant major for the adjutant general of the 25th Infantry Division at Kuchi. So you're talking about military career. Uh, I can go back to Korea. Got hit a little bit in the butt. And uh, not bad enough to go anywhere or do anything. And then when I did go down, the doctor said, well, I wasn't even in country that day, and I'm not going to sign anything before I was in country. And then when the lieutenant that was the F forward observer said, come on, North, let's get back up on the line. And we left, and I never worried about it again mm. until Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And... In Vietnam, people that were there, I was in the 25th Admin Company, and uh, I replaced a Sergeant Major who had his own hooch in the 20th Admin Company, right next to the latrine. Well, they burned and cleaned the latrine every day, and that hooch filled with smoke every day. And so I got smart and had had one built over behind division headquarters so I could hook into the electric power and have power 24 hours a day and so on. And from there, I made one mistake, and that's every mortar attack, they shoot at the headquarters. <laughs> and they always overshot it, and they'd hit around my hooch. And I did get uh, hit in the leg and dealt with some stuff that is a little bit too gruesome to talk about on, on men that were killed. Hmm. But after uh, Vietnam, I came back to Fort Lewis. I was a sergeant major for the adjutant general of Fort Lewis. And then finally went to Alaska and only stayed a year. Was offered a job that I thought I should take. So I put in my retirement papers and retired in 1972. Hmm. So I spent 22 years in. And so 72, that was just uh, the Vietnam War was winding down, hadn't yet been completed, but yeah. there were withdrawals were taking yeah. place. And we, you know, when we came back, it wasn't the most pleasant thing in San, in San Francisco and mm -hmm. stuff. But being career, it, I knew what I thought of it, so we just went on. Yeah. So um, what would you say, um, your 22 years in the military, what, what, what were some of your most vivid memories as far as what you learned is about yourself being in the in in the service that you can think you're tough as hell but you can be awful scared 
I can remember laying in the bunker and listening to the shrapnel and stuff sounding off, laying on my back, and when I turned over and put my face in the dirt, I felt so much better. And But, like I said, I had to get up and go. We had some direct hits on, on some bunkers with guys in them. So that's a part that I've spent years trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. One of the medics couldn't even get in there with it, and the sergeant major of the 25th Division got in. I held the light for him, poured the water over the hands to wash the blood off their hands as they got the bodies out. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. I can still close my eyes and see his hands as I'm pouring water on to wash them. Yeah. So I, I've been through uh, mental stuff with the VA for years. Never where I was going to go shoot myself or anything like that. Right. So... That's about the life of my military. Yeah. So what happened after military? Well, first I, they said I was messed up in the head. I worked a year at United Mutual Savings Bank as loan supervisor of loan services. Then I left there and went to the credit union as office manager, Fort Lewis Credit Union. Now it's considered... ACU is what it is now, but it was Fort Lewis Federal Credit Union. And I was the office manager there and only spent about a year and a half and left there. Then didn't do anything for about six months and went out with a friend who drove a truck and decided to go to school and learn to drive a truck. Interesting. So I, I drove a truck, learned to drive it. Then they wouldn't hire me because I didn't have any experience. So then I had to try to buy a truck, which I did. Then I couldn't get a job because I didn't have any experience. Then I finally found a company that would take me. And the reason they did was because every check bounced. <laughs> so that wasn't any good. So. I left them, went to another company that had no authority from the ICC, and we filled out rental papers that we worked for the company we were hauling for and did that for about uh, about a year, I think. And they, they knew we were lying, but we hauled for that, this hall cheaper than what it would have been if it had been legal. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I could do the same thing, so I wrote Ever State, got the paperwork, licensed in Ever State, and started a company called Veterans Trucking. And did that for 20 years. Wow. So long haul? Yeah. Yeah. I ended up, first we were going to New York and back. And then I, uh, during the strike of Consolidated Freight, before they went out of business, they were hauling big toys. 
And when, during the strike, I went down and they, I told them they could put it on my trailer and it would get to the point of delivery. Rather than they said consolidate freight, they say they had parts laying in every part of California. So I did that for 10 years, just haul playground equipment to schools, parks, and churches all over California mm. and brought produce back. And then I went down to buy a golf cart, and they told me that some way my, the conversation got around to rentals, and uh, so I got the idea of starting a golf cart rental company. So I went to Colorado to a Corsair that changed golf carts every two years, bought 80 golf carts, had three trailers built, and at that time we did it without tops. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, I had a trailer that hauled 30 golf cars without tops, one that hauled 10 with tops, and one that hauled tw 12 with 10 with tops. Uh, eight with tops, I think. And anyway, uh, did that, rented, rented them out to... Uh, country clubs for tournaments mm -hmm. when they needed shotgun starts and they needed four per hole so they needed 72 carts and if they didn't have any we rented them and did pretty good and then September have a dang heart attack mm. and uh, my friend who just moved in here with me here not together but uh he f was driving my truck, and I was doing the golf carts, and he was still running long haul. So he just took over and did everything for me. And I had surgery, quadruple bypass. And then uh, since then, I've had a pacemaker <laughs> and a defibrillator mm. and a stent. They changed all the plumbing on you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and here I am, still, yeah, still so going. How did you? Uh, how did you decide on Patriots Landing? Well, that story is the fact that it was in the newspaper here in Tacoma that the generals and colonels were working on a thing, and I wrote them a letter. <clears throat> And I said, you don't have an enlisted man on your thing. You need a sergeant major. So they put me on the committee. So we lived in DuPont. We had a home built here. And uh, so they put me on the committee, and I worked on that for about two years, I think, with Gene Lynn, the owner and stuff. And then when my wife had a stroke, I came out here. Then when she got better, I went back home. Then when she had another one, then I came out here, stayed a year. Then we left here and went to one in uh, Spanish Springs, uh, Nevada. And I stayed there eight months and then never adapted to the altitude. Mm -hmm. 
they said from Agent Orange, my lungs aren't the greatest and stuff. So anyway, I came back here again. And then I went down and they were doing uh, the old smelter. They were replacing that with Point Rustin. Mm-hmm. Went down there and bought a condominium mm-hmm. right on the water. And uh, we lived in an apartment down there until they finished building the condominium right behind it. And that was the first full condominium down there. Now they've got about three complexes, I think. And uh, stayed there until my wife had another stroke. Mm. And this one was devastating. And uh, so I sold it. Came back out here, tried memory care for her, plus care for the stroke. And she couldn't remember, she couldn't walk. She'd get up, she'd fall at night. Mm -hmm. And finally, I said, I've got to take her out, and I found a nice adult care home for her. Mm -hmm. And uh, just saw her this morning. But now I'm retired, just taking life easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you would be able to find find your your home back here again, that you've got a place that you know. Yeah. I still call myself an Okie, but I only spent the first 17 of my years, my life there. Uh Uh-huh. And I've spent more here than anywhere else. Yeah. Besides overseas. Yeah. Well, you've got some good people and good support system here, so I'm glad that you're able to Like I said, I've been here... I like this place. I mean, it's nice. And uh, people are nice, and you meet nice people here, you know. And everybody's got a story. We've all got stories. Mm-hmm. We've all been through it someone, And, and uh, the food's good, too. Restaurant style. That's one of the best things about the place, you know. You can sit anywhere from 7 to 7, just go in and, Eat when you want. There you go. And what you want. (laughs) Well, Bill, I want to thank you for sharing your story with me. Well, I hope it's something that, you know, some people will understand, others won't. Well, that's okay. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you for your service. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.